You're listening to Deep breaths. Welcome back to the Korean Drama Podcast, where three people, us, your hosts, Steve, Kathy, and Kim, um, right now we're discussing Pachinko, episode four. And uh, how you guys doing? Feeling great. I oh, yeah. am a little offended, Steve, that you introduced us as people and not hotties. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, wow. Well, hold on. A hottie doesn't declare themselves as hottie. Yeah, but you could declare us as hotties. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Welcome this back. was the wow. last episode of the Korean drama podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Unfollow Steve at Steve everywhere. Cancel. Do not follow me. Block Steve. <laughs> Block at Steve. Oh, my uh, gosh. Oh, man. So uh, episode four, we're like halfway, almost halfway. No, we are halfway through. Yeah, we are halfway yeah. through. episodes of Pachinko, right? Which feels really wild because we are so used to doing like we we're so used to doing these like big long seasons. So I appreciate that it's it's only <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I love it love it no notes on the length no notes yeah. on the length do we have notes elsewhere? Well, I, t- well, I sure did take some notes. We have to have notes. We gotta have notes. We do have notes. This show is just about our notes, isn't it? <laughs> Honestly, yes. Every episode, I'm torn. I'm always catching myself being aware of how unstereotypically K-drama this show is. Mm. And it always hits me with like this heaviness. It's very serious. It's very heavy. Mm-hmm. And it's very artsy, too. You didn't think that... Shots. Well, I don't know if we want to get into it quite yet, but did you not think that... I thought the first like little scene... Felt pretty K drama y. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. The lo- like, the yeah, yeah, in the tailor shop. Yeah. Oh, 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 this episode. Yeah, well, let's get, I mean, let's get into it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. K drama. Yes. You're right. You're right. So they're, they're in, so it's, 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 uh, Isak and, uh, and Hansu in the tailor shop. And it felt very K drama y to me. I literally wrote down love triangle. Oh, um, yes. Because it's just, it's very, that, it's very K drama in that way, right? It's like, they're both, you know, uh, I don't want to say in love with, but like vying for the attention of Sanja. Mm-hmm. My note was Mean Girls, but very, very mm. like <laughs> super oh, passive you aggressive. <laughs> Your suit is cute. I have to say too, Isak, I feel like would do great on TikTok right now, taking his older brother's suit to a tailor. Ooh. You know, being like, "I'm sustainable. I'm reusing mm. this suit." Even if it costs as much as to make a new suit. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. There was a real battle of words and subtle, not so subtle stabs at each other. Yeah, I will say I'm not on Hansu's side. Never would be. Um, But I did like I, I... to address our concerns from the previous episode about like Isak coming into town fully with tuberculosis, not wearing a mask. Nobody's wearing a mask. Nobody's social distancing around him. Um, I will say that when Hansu was like, yeah, so I heard uh, you're coming into town and you have like this illness and you're like just like coughing all over the place. 
And I was like, okay, so at least he's like, you know, concerned for, I guess, the the health of the town, even though it is like very, he's saying it in a very elitist way. I mean, is he concerned once he lights that cigarette? He's like, oh, you're all better now, are you? (laughs) Let me just light up. Smoking inside at a tailor shop. The disrespect. Yeah. Although I feel like Isak got the last laugh. I feel like Isak really knows how to use his words to hurt someone. Oh, Mm -hmm. for sure. That he was, was some like, verbal judo in there. Oh, yeah. He was like, ka-chow, this suit's for my wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, they definitely knew who each other were also. Yes. You know, it was like, I can't remember what the what it was that the the line was. But, there, yeah, Isak definitely had the last word. Mm-hmm. I love that for composed. him. hmm Oh, oh, yeah. oh, it was that he was like, he was like, he kind of like looked defeated for a second. He was like, okay, I am going to get a new suit. But then he was like, I'm going to pay for it myself. And Taylor, I still want you to rehem these pants because they might fit my son one day. Boom. One, two, okay. knockout. And that's a mic drop. Uh huh. Mm, that's a hottie <laughs> mic drop. Ooh, that is a hottie mic drop right there. Oh, Isak's hottie levels going up. Mm-hmm. Hansu has been removed from the competition. He's been disqualified for his bad behavior. <laughs> I do wonder, though, there was a brief moment where uh, Isak mentions how his brother Samuel was uh, never to be seen again uh, when he went off to some sort of a, the, the, the Korean independence movement yeah. event or whatever that was, like some sort of protest, right? March 1st, very big mm-hmm. in Korean history. And so I wonder if... Because at the end of that scene... Oh, no, no, sorry. I'm confusing it. Not that scene. But knowing what I know from the book, I wonder if there's a little seed there. Ooh. I wonder. I don't know. Well, because we did we did uncover a lot of seeds this episode. Yeah, yeah. And But the thing is, I'm also torn every episode that um, what I read in the book is not quite playing out uh, on screen. It's, mm. it's, there's a lot of differences, too. Even though the the general storyline is the same, um, there's a lot of key details that have been changed or ad- adapted for screen. So I'm kind of curious. Interesting. Mm. I'm yeah, just all I- around confused every episode, pretty much. <laughs> I was also curious in this next scene when they're in like the underground church because we are to understand that like Christianity is still like not okay. I think. Yeah, not okay. Yeah. And then so they're hiding their faith. Um, and then also they kind of like allude to maybe Isak has some sort of risk in claiming this child as his own if he's found out. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, that's what I that's what I got. But like that makes sense with the rest of the like very conservative viewpoints of like you and your child, like like the, everything that the pastor is saying to Sunja, right? And her mom, which is like, oh, bad vibes all around. Like what a mm. like judgmental a-hole. He's like, he's like you, <laughs> like you have like uh, ruined like your life and your child's life. And like, you know, you're lucky that this man will take you and like all this stuff. Like, all right, chill it's, out. She his, already his, feels bad. His policy was only God and I can judge you. Yeah, only God can judge me, but I can judge you. <laughs> yeah. As well. Asterisk. Uh. Yeah. Oh, uh, but then they also answer a question we had last episode, which is that uh Isak feels indebted to this family because they saved his life. 
So that's right. He acknowledges he acknowledges the danger of them acquiring tuberculosis. Oh, so then the danger has subsided. Well, I guess that's just like why he felt so inclined to marry Sunja, even though there's like inherent risk. And also he didn't really know her. Yeah, I don't know how tuberculosis works. Like, if you stop coughing, then you're, you're good. The the symptoms, what do you call that? Subside? Contagiousness yeah. subsides? It, yeah, it seems more like he's just like, oh, thank you for saving my life. Because otherwise, you know, he would have, like, died on the side of the road somewhere. Mm. Yeah, he did collapse pretty hard. Yeah. And he's paying a pretty penny for these fresh new suits. He is rich. Yeah, where does he get his money? I was thinking that, too. Um church <laughs> Wait, he, he, he's also a pastor too isn't he yeah yeah he just took the money and ran he says that kyunghee or later on he like mentions that kyunghee was who is his sister-in-law right we, that was a big this. that was a big seed yes yes um but she we learn later that she comes from like a wealthy family so maybe it's well, the impression that I got from the way he said it was that Kyunghee's family used to be wealthy, they but like the yes. way that w- the way that he said it made it seem like oh they're not wealthy anymore. Yeah, um, but she still can't cook. <laughs> right, hence why he's amazed that supposedly she now can cook because she never had to lift a finger before. And I gotta say that seems like a second hottie mic drop. Ooh like, yeah, damn. I mean, little damn. jabs. I am like, I'm still like curious to find out more specifically, like, and I'm sure that in like the next couple of episodes, we will meet young Kyunghee. Um, but I'm like, is Kyunghee married to like Isaac's brother or, you know, I guess that's kind of really the only. I thought we, I thought we work. found out that she was, she was married to the disappeared one. Oh, right? okay. Steven. That oh. makes sense. Wait, maybe I'm making that up. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like as the only thing that I gathered from the episode was that Kyunghee is Isak's sister-in-law. Yeah. Um, so she's married to somebody in his family. In Isak's family, right. I might have made that up, but I guess maybe we'll find out next episode. No, I like I like that theory. I like <laughs> the theory. Uh, huh. Okay, okay. I'm going to hold on to that seed then. Because uh, but we're because we're, in the beginning, his Isak's confrontation with uh, Hansu made it seem like Samuel got killed or something, but I guess he's. But he could have been married before that, and then just like disappeared or got killed or got taken or something. That was mm. my my impression. Okay. Hmm. Or he has another brother, and Kyunghee's married to that brother. I do like how there's so many. Uh, we discover more and more in laws that just are gonna. Throw, throw the story in for a ride. And I have to say, I did try to make a family tree, and I just simply don't think that we still have enough information to do it <laughs> because it is so confusing. So I I sort of have a little bit sketched out, but I'm not prepared to share it with anybody quite Ooh. yet. And okay. I just completely spaced on the moral alignment chart, so that's my <laughs> bad. <laughs> it does feel like... At uh, this, like halfway through Secret Garden, we're like, "Where is the Secret Garden?" We have to wait and find out. It feels very similar. It's like, who are these in-laws? We can't. Yeah. We can't yeah. wait to find out. We're trying to germinate little seeds, and some of them are not going to sprout. But we don't know which ones. 
Mm-hmm. That's a plant. Something about plants. I tried to tried to do plants once. <laughs> well, harvest is important for this beautiful rice cooking scene. Mm-hmm. Oh my that gosh, that was very tender and sweet. And man, the things you learn about you know Korea at this time. Mm. Indeed, because Sanjo's mom's trying to like procure some rice for her daughter and her new son-in-law for their like wedding feast or whatever. And boy, is it impossible! Be- White rice is a, a delicacy of the elite, yeah, right. and meat as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's funny that um, you know the polished white rice we have today, which is so common. Like you get it for like a dollar, or maybe it's free at a restaurant. Like in just a couple of generations prior, it was like a a status symbol. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, but the thing is, it's like this always struck me is that like when I was growing up, uh, my mom started like mixing our rice with like brown rice and beans and other like things like millet or whatever um, because it was healthy. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the irony is, it's like the the peasant class back then they were eating the healthy life style habits that today now you have to pay double at Whole Foods to eat like the peasants did, you know, two generations ago. Right. If you want to have barley, barley's like three or four times as expensive as white rice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my one times thing about changed. white rice that makes me laugh so hard is that when my family my dad's side of my family so the asian side we do a white elephant every year at christmas and one year the most popular item by far was a 25 pound bag of rice <laughs> it's so funny watching everyone fight over it damn that's a lot of rice it's a lot of rice that'll last you yeah that's status right there that that's is so status, status right now <laughs> and i also have to say that while we're on this um on these rice scenes i just have to give out an award um, and I'm I'm prepared to give out this award multiple times, but uh, this is an award that I gave out during Itaewon class uh, informally um, to uh, Dong Dae the actor who played Jung Dae in Itaewon class um, for mm-hmm. eating acting. Oh, and I was very moved by Young Sunja, Teen Sunja's eating acting. Ugh. It was the actress that plays Young Sunja. She was. It was just like. The the she she just took like a couple bites of rice, but it was just like so emotional and just like you know because like it kept going back and forth between Isak and her, and Isak was just like, oh, thanks for the rice, and he was eating it, and for her the rice was like so meaningful, and she just really like she's crying, she's eating the rice, her mm-hmm. nose is dripping, she's got tears, like. I just really wanted to give out that award that I know that everybody was waiting with bated breath for me yeah. to to give out. No, that was a very, very uh, moving scene with no words. It's mm-hmm. just you see and you feel. It was. Mm. And the next scene, too, was very moving. There were words, I will say. So no awards in this scene. No Sorry. awards. Um, <laughs> but the scene, and I wonder if these are seats, but it's the scene where um, the other employees, the other female employees of the boarding house are doing laundry with Sunja. <laughs> employees. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know why that's a funny way to call it. Like, we're, but they are know. technically employees. Well, they're, we find out they're like, fan, one of them is fantasizing about what her married life would be like and, you know, is having like a grand old time. And then the other one really rains on her parade. 
Yeah. With some realistic rain, I guess, but it's just like how bad their prospects are as orphans and like, I don't know. It was just like so sad. And then it, I was like, it didn't really, I wonder if we'll see them again because I was like, wait, what, what, have, what about you guys? I want to know yeah. about you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the, the way that pessimistic girl, her name is Boki, uh, we find out. Um, but yeah, it's, it, she, I feel like she represents the voice of that generation when it's just everything's so shitty that you just kind of take on this dark, pessimistic attitude about things. And and I guess maybe to try to like deal with stuff. It's like you just put on this hard shell, this hard exterior, you know, because life sucks. Yeah. Very grandma sad. used to talk like that <laughs> Oh really? on my, on my mom's side. Very like harsh, very like just kind of like. Sometimes super pessimistic, but then under this exterior of sounding tough, you know, and maybe that was just, you know, what what she needed to survive. It's interesting, though, because I remember Sanjo's mom in the very first episode. She wasn't she. She was like poor because her father had died, but she was still able to, like, find a pretty good match. So I don't know, like. Is it, isn't there hope for these other girls? I don't, I have a feeling we'll never see them again. And I'm like, wait, tell uh, tell me what no, happened. No, I think, <clears throat> I think that Sanja's mom, it, I was trying to recount this to my partner. And so I think this is correct, but correct me if this doesn't align with what you remember, is that in the first episode, we learn that the women in Sanja's family are cursed because... Sanja's mother, whose name I don't know, her mother died during childbirth, giving birth to Sanja's mother. And so then that meant that Sanja's mother was not a desirable candidate for marriage. Uh, but I could be making that up. <laughs> but that's what uh, I remember. And that's why that's how she ended up marrying the world's nicest man who, because of society's extremely disrespectful and harsh rules was deemed undesirable that's how they ended up together because it was like well who will have this woman who's fucking cursed mm-hmm. yeah young jin is Sanja's young mom's jin name. yeah yikes i mean that's what they believe that they believe that they're cursed i don't think it's mystical stuff happening but but you're right the shaman no worked proof. so i don't i don't know yeah <laughs> with those dance moves mm. <laughs> how can you resist i know the curse is like okay bye bye <laughs> it does that scene does though really um also illustrate like kind of what the stakes are for somebody like sanja right and and what the stakes are like why you know for for people that like watching that might not understand like oh why is she so willing to just marry this random man that had tuberculosis five seconds ago and just showed up in her town is like well her prospects are very bad, you know, and it really struck me when Bulky was like, uh, you know, we, we would have if we want if we end up getting married, it's going to be to some undesirable man. And then we're going to have children who are born into poverty also. And like, you know, just speaking to like the 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 kinds of uh, the the kinds of generational impact that that can have, like all. I mean, they're not that old and like to be talking about this. Right. Sundra 16. So these other. Girls are probably about the same age. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just really. I mean, it, it, yeah, it just goes to show how desperate 
the times are like you need to marry to build a family to survive you know it's not about fulfilling some sort of like um ideal maybe that we have it today so much but for then it was, it was more back then it was more much more a matter of um practical survival right And just to jump ahead just a little bit, later in the episode when Sunja and Youngjin are in the train station waiting for Isak to get the papers like approved and Youngjin is like, like telling her about like how hard her life is going to be. And she's like, even though you're pregnant and you might not like it, you need to care for your husband's physical needs like it really broke my heart and like she's just Mm. like sobbing at this point and it's just like wow like the the burden that is put on like the the matriarchs of these families the the women in this village like or in like in the entire country and probably in many countries you know right is like Mm. oh it's just so heavy it's just so so heavy um and devastating for them yeah yeah, that scene also, like, oh, it made me so sad when I, like, re- well, when I remember that, like, they don't, like, I don't think either of them can read or write. So they, like, this is it. They're, yeah. like, done. They're never going to see or communicate with each other again. Like, this is. Yeah. You, you get on that ship, like, who knows if you'll ever come back to Korea. Like, it's, this is a one-way ticket. Yeah. And know. it seems like she didn't. Like, I'm I'm hoping that we'll get to know this. But like, you know, when adult Sanja is like, I want to go back to Korea, like to spread Kyunghee's ashes or to bury them somewhere is like, it doesn't seem to me like she has left Osaka since. Right. That's where she lives. Like since Mm -hmm. since she got there, like. And when the mom, when Youngjin is like. You know, I don't know when we'll see each other again, it's like. It seems like you don't. Yeah. For, I mean, it seems like the accepted idea is you're never going to see them again. And that's that. This is your final goodbye. This isn't it's just a so devastating. Google uh, or kayak a, uh, a quick spring break fare back to Korea to say hi and then swoop back in. This is you're going to a, a, a foreign land. You don't speak the language. Um, she's like you're gonna be a burden to your in-laws and they're gonna treat you badly but just deal with it oh man I can't even like conceive of a goodbye like that because like we're all so connected you know like I can't even conceive of like being Mm -hmm. like I'll never like see you again I don't have a photograph of you you are gone (laughs) like I can't even and also, this is like the best case scenario for Sanja. That's why they've decided to do it. It's like, it's better for her and this baby to go with a man they met, I don't know, two days ago to a completely brand new country where she doesn't know the language. She doesn't know anybody there and she can't read or write in the language that she grew up speaking. And that's a more desirable situation than to be a single mother living in the boarding house that you grew up in, that your mother works at, that your friends work at, and raising the mm-hmm. baby there. Even with all your friends around you, it's like, somehow that's the better choice. Right, because it would not only be like, it would it would be uh, uh, like stigmatized for Sanja, for her baby, for the mom, for the other girls that work at the boarding house. Like, I'm sure anybody who's seen talking to Sanja or any of these people related to her 
just like so sad. Oh, so heavy. And how many families were separated because of, you know, things like this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why they do a great job of cutting to some fresh pair of undies in Solomon's drawer. Yeah. I'm like, if I opened up a fresh pack of undies every morning, I'd have that look that he had on his face as well. That look of confidence. He's like, I got some fresh undies on. He's ready to go. (laughs) I'm ready to take on Shifley's with my fresh undies. I don't know. I like like my undies broken in personally. (laughs) I think you should personally. I think that it's best to wash them first. But, you know. Well, yeah. yeah. Hold on. His were all like individually wrapped, but I was like, hmm. Okay. Are you? Does, does he throw them away? Are they single use underwear? That is wasteful. It's very wasteful. Not but so is behavior. so is individually wrapping underwear. Oh, a hundred percent. Who knew this would be the topic of, of controversy <laughs> yeah. on our episode? That's how they decided to cut to it. Yeah. I mean, we have on the one hand environmental hottie who's over here like this was my brother's suit. I'm going to oh, right. rewear it. On the other hand, we have non-environmental hottie who's like I buy single-use underpants wrapped in plastic, specially molded to fit your butt. Wow, it's pre-molded. I don't. I and we don't know that that's that. what's happening. We don't know that that's what's <laughs> I, happening. But. In my mind, that's what's happening. It doesn't. It's not a good look. It's not a good look, but... It, it's underwear, right? I, I, I didn't get a close look. I just it does saw seem like light, underwear. You know? Oh, man. But it's I mean, a flex. I don't know. It's a flex. Is it a flex? Maybe it's a flex. Maybe it's just a statement on how um, Solomon is just so uh, out of his element. Maybe. Well, it's weird. It's also because there's that moment in the office where he's talking to Naomi and Naomi's being like really big dick to this like very nice seeming man who like comes in and she's like, well, he's an incompetent worker. And here in Japan, we have no work life balance. It's the 80s. <laughs> right. I never saw my father growing up. I was like, I don't oh, know. Oh, that. that was that was painful. Yeah. That was painful. And her describing like why she chose Shifley specifically so that she could like rise through the ranks in a way that she wouldn't be able to <laughs> yeah. at other places. Oof. I was like, oof, oof. Yeah. She was like, um, what is it? Uh I like to be around those less accomplished. Right. Helps me get up in life. <laughs> <laughs> right. She wants to be a big fish, which yeah. you know. I did like when uh, the the like coworker came in and was like, "Hey, how many copies of this contract did you want me to print?" And she hits hit, she hits him with the like per my memo, like read it in the memo, <laughs> yeah. dude. That was the modern day equivalent. Of that. I really I really loved that. <laughs> she does it to his face though. It's yeah, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, if it's in the memo and you didn't read it, then you deserve to get hit with it. You know. Okay. I mean, I get it. I just think like you know, it's okay. It's just money. Like everyone, let's go home to our families and like enjoy. Oh, life. for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. But I did yeah. like the per my per my last email. <laughs> Well, Naomi's just trying to eat oh, at the end of the day. You know what my favorite part of this episode was? Was like the choreographed dance move with which like the business people <laughs> handed their uh, business cards to the Korean what landowner. Was that? I loved it. 20 more minutes of that, please. Oh, my God. I was like genuinely like, what is going on? Why does she need everybody? It looked like to me, too. Maybe I was just like projecting this onto her. But I was like, it looked like to me, too, that she was like, why am I receiving all of these business cards? 
Yeah, I think that's just like office. I know like in um, Japan, like business card, like getting receiving a business card, like you're supposed to do it with both hands and you're supposed I to did like, notice that. Yeah. look at it, you know, like you're supposed to really like act interested is my understanding. Oh, so there yeah. is some kind of like etiquette that I don't understand, but I just thought it looked silly. I don't know. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it, it's all like the facade of formality. Right. Like they're pretend respecting her, but but she can sense. She can right. sniff and it she, out. And like, she's like, okay, this is enough. Let's get on with it. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> oh, Kumja. Yeah. But, what a scene. Oh. Wait, can we also talk? Because this is the scene is intercut with the port. So Sunja, teen Sunja and Isak is going to, they're going to Japan. They're in the boat. And they like kind of. No, wait, wait, wait. Wait, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt. We have to go back for a second because the, before before they get on the boat, she gets stopped by the soldier. Oh, oh! She gets stopped oh. in the market. She's saying goodbye to the people in the market, and then a Japanese oh. soldier comes up to her and starts speaking to her in Japanese. And I did really like this. And I thought at first it was a flaw with the Apple TV app, which is my <laughs> personal enemy. But it wasn't. I think it was intentional that they don't put up the subtitles for what the Japanese soldier is saying because Sandra doesn't understand Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, oh. and somebody somebody else in the market is like, oh, the soldier is saying come with him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, okay, yeah. Because Hansu then takes her, he's like in his office waiting. And like, I this is quite silly, but I really feel like we like need to officially strip Hansu of his like hottie status and then like bequeath him with like Rudy status or something. I don't know. He's so okay. Rude. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm on board with this. I mean, I had personally already in my mind stripped him of all of his mm-hmm. hottie um, accolades, but uh, I think bestowing him with a negative title, yeah, is it doesn't appropriate have to be Rudy, but like something because he is so. Rude. And I'm actually very curious to see how much he will play into the story after this. Mm-hmm. Because it does seem like they kind of, like, left things. Are, are, are you guys uh, reading the book? No. No. Okay. Um, spoiler alert if you're trying to read the book. Or I'm not... This is one of those moments where it's like, wow, they took Hansu's character... I feel like in a very different direction. Mm. Oh, um, interesting. So I was surprised to see this interaction. I don't recall this ever being in the book, this specific scene. If anything, uh, Hansu kind of in the book normally just, he just kind of like fades for a while. And and um, and I thought they would elaborate more on what Hansu was doing in this huge gap time in the book. Uh, maybe they'll do that in the, in the show. We, we have yet to see that, but... Um, the way they portray his kind of just like kind of his menacing nature is like kind of just like, wow, this is uh, I didn't get that out of the book, but um, I don't know. Maybe this is a artistic liberty here. Mm. Well, one thing that he does that I do appreciate, I mean, oh, calling her into his office at all is like really awful for her reputation. And she states, um, but he does like leave the door open, which, he, you know, he has like so much power over her. I guess he like didn't technically have to do but he leaves the door open to like give her, I don't know, give room for her reputation to like not be tarnished by this. But otherwise, still very rude. It's like a very bad interaction. Yeah. Very like, ugh, like bad person, bad person vibes all around. Yeah. But you know Could, what I love? Be, what Sun yeah. says? Sun just says. She says. He did. I Isak did. He did what mm. you Hansu 
failed to do. That's right, oh. Sanja. You tell him. Or and just, you tell him. Actually, I because he is like really bad and menacing and manipulative and awful. But I do like really appreciate how Sunja stands up to him. And yeah. I guess you can see that in the fir- what made Hansu fall in love with her in the first place was that she didn't like bend to the will of the Japanese, you know? Right. In the same way she but that means she don't bend to you either. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Playing with fire. You want a strong woman? You got a strong woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was just, oh, he's just, I don't know what the word is. Menacing is pretty good. Manipulative is pretty good. It's just like, I don't know what the like term is for this like, ugh, it's just like truly awful. Yeah. But then at the very end of that scene, didn't it feel like they were trying to make us question like, oh, like, do I see some watery eyes there? Does he have a sensitive Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, but it's not, in my opinion, it's not like, like, it's like he like, maybe, maybe I've made him out to be too bad of a person in my mind, but I'm like. He he wants to control Sunja and he realizes that he's lost, you know. She's mm. like, you can't control me. I'm going to go to Osaka with Isak. And as Kathy said, you know, he's doing what you failed to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he can mm. also like care about Sunja and care about his son, but like not do it in like a healthy or good way. You know, like I think I think he does genuinely care about both of them. But he's, like, showing it in a very manipulative, power-hungry way that's, like, not there is a word. Sunja. There's a word for this that I can't I can't pull it out right now. I'm like, what is the word for this kind of behavior when you're, like, so manipulative? But anyway, yeah. Hmm, what is the word? Um, dookie head? Yeah, it's dookie, dookie head. head. <laughs> he is. He's such a dookie head. He's just sucks he just sucks it's like it's very it's like i feel like when we were watching the show that will not be named sg (laughs) that we were like putting all these disclaimers in the episodes being like hey if a guy is treating you like this like it's not okay and i'm like i'm like this this is more not okay behavior from a like a a male lead in a korean drama or something like a korean drama yeah i'm curious to see how they're gonna pull or try to try to redeem hansu if that's even what they're going for i don't think he probably redeems himself personally but i don't see how (laughs) but also like i don't know like imanho is such a big like you know like a star so Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be crazy if he just like doesn't show up again. But it did. I, to me, it really felt like that's what the show was communicating to me was that this was the last time we would see him. But that Although would be it, wild. It wouldn't surprise me because he's rich. It wouldn't surprise I mean, yeah. me if Sanja like receives like gifts or letters or if he even like shows up in Osaka, mm. you know, just to what? like. God, what is the what is the word? I have dookie to head. <laughs> it's not dookie head. I have to figure it out. Oh my god. My only concern is I hope. I mean, it doesn't seem like it would be like this, but uh, it would be very awkward if Sanja and Isak became neighbors with uh, Hansu's family. 
Oh, I would love like a hard tone <laughs> shift to like a network sitcom. <laughs> that would be so funny. Wait, so oh yeah, his family does live in Osaka. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So because of that, then Hansu's definitely, definitely gonna keep popping up. Because yeah. he seems like he has a lot of power, like in general, not just at the fish market. Oh, so. Yeah. Because he's also so rich. So I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. It makes sense that he would be able to figure out where Sanja and his son are living. Oh, and I also liked when Sanja's like standing up to him and she's like, this is my baby. This is my son. Mm. And I was like, mm-hmm. yes, that was nice. Mm. The next Stand part up. with Sanja is very interesting to me because she has this very small interaction with this very rich Korean singer um, mm. at the port. Um hmm and it felt like, and tell me if I'm reading this wrong, but it felt like that interaction inspired this singer um, to, like, stand up to the Japanese people she's entertaining and, like, have a, a patriotic moment where she stands up for herself and her country. Um, but I wasn't quite sure why. Did you guys have an idea? What did they talk about? She dropped a scarf. Sandra's like, here... And, she, and then the, the singer's, singer's like, like, oh, my scarf. Someone someone very important to me gave me this, but we don't find out who it was. Right? Yeah. And, uh, oh, and then maybe maybe it's related to this because this seemed like a big thing. Like, uh, the singer was like, when is your baby due? And then Sanja yeah. doesn't answer. The mom answers. Youngjin answers and is like, we expect in two months. And... The singer is like, well, why are you moving then? Like, why are you leaving then? And she's like, I just got married. And so maybe mm. that sparked something in the singer's mind because I was under the impression that the reason that she started to retaliate during her performance was because the the businessman sitting next to her, who I assume is Japanese, was touching her without her consent And she was like, I'm sure that this happens to her all the fucking time, Mm. you know. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know what? I don't have to take this anymore. You you know what, though? Um, In that conversation with Sanja, the singer did mention that she would um, sing a song in her honor. Oh, right. For us. For us. Yeah, for us. So so she had this plan, I think. Uh, I'm not sure to what extent it was improvised in terms of like the busting out the knife part. <laughs> um, but I, I think she went in knowing that uh, she's going to cause a scene for the movement. And she did. And I'm interested. So we learned that a lot of the people on the boat are miners. They're like contracted through the Japanese to go do some mining in Japan. But um, they're from Korea. And they hear the song and they're very um, inspired by it. Um, And then we learn also through a monologue from the Korean landowner at Shifley's that her husband was a minor. Her father. Her father. Oh, excuse me. Her father was. Her father was a minor because uh, because in on the boat um, on the boat the minor says to Isak like. Uh, we're going now and then the company's paying for us to come now and then later they will pay for our our wives and children to come. And so that's uh, what the Korean... What's, what's her name, Steve? The Korean landowner? Kumja. Kumja? Kumja. Kumja, yeah. That's what Kumja says is she's like, she's like, my father came over first and then 
me and my mother came over afterward, which is like, to me meant like, was like her being like, okay, like this is why the house means so much to me is because mm-hmm. like no one would rent to us. We're Korean. And you know, then we got this house here in Osaka and now the Japanese are trying to get me to give it back to them. And there's not an amount of money that, you know, can make that worth it for me. Yeah. Like the, the goal of working for money was exactly how she ended up in Japan in the first place and had to deal with all that uh, abuse and trauma, you know? So it's kind of like to throw more money at me is almost maybe insulting. Right. And she's had to like play by, she and her whole family, right? Have had to play by the Japanese's rules for generations. And she's like, Oh, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't need to do this. Yeah. Cause they also Mm. talk about, she talks about in that scene, um, a strike that the miners went on that like it sounds like was terrible it lasted for four days and it sounds like they all lost their jobs um everyone who went on strike um which reminds me of a scene from another little korean drama um squid games uh oh oh yes inspired by the uh the auto Auto yeah. yeah except koreans are doing it to themselves (laughs) <laughs> yeah but because yeah. of money and that's because i guess money. that's what the landowner or uh i'm so sorry what was her name kumja kumja, kumja yeah. that's what she's saying i guess is that you can't you can't money money doesn't matter go home to your child naomi's dad the, these companies can't be trusted you know yeah no matter yeah. how many business cards you ceremonially give to me yeah, it's just so twisted, that whole salary man concept of like devoting your life to the company so that the company can take care of you and your family, yet you won't have time to go be with your family because you've signed off your life to the company. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which so it all ends in this whole monologue ends in um Kumja asking Solomon what he would say to his own grandmother if she was in this situation. Mm-hmm. And Solomon says, don't, don't sign, don't sign it. Oof. So she does it. And it was such a deep moment. But did you guys catch the very funny moment where, did you catch yeah, a scene? I think, I think I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking like, about? I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about. So Kumja is like hemming and hawing and like trying to read. She just learned how to read like middle school level oh, Japanese right. by the yeah, way yeah 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 he's taking up a lot of time and so w- at one point this Japanese businessman is like trying to like push her along like hey let's hurry up and sign this and then is this the part you're talking about Kathy I don't know where maybe not where where she goes shush oh. <laughs> shut your mouth I'm gonna take my sweet old time I have the pen that is not that is not the moment I was talking about oh okay what were you talking I about I was talking about there was a moment when um Kumja is like really like monologuing about like the discrimination she faced and like how hard it was and like why she doesn't want to sign the contract. And through the mirrors of the conference room, you can see like some guy. Oh, I saw oh. this! Yes! Coming with a tray <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. of champagne. Oh, and my someone God. Has to Miller be like, High Life. Yeah. Miller High Life. And someone has to be like, no, stop. Don't, don't bring it now. Yeah, somebody has to like sprint out of that conference yeah. room. They, 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 uh, the guy stands in front of the door. They, 
the the person behind it tries to open it and then like he's like shuts it back closed and <laughs> that was really funny it made me laugh that is pretty funny oh this silly office oh Shifley's. my gosh the graveyard of arimotos mm. and then of oh. course so solomon runs out it's raining he finds some like peak 2000s pop punk buskers at the subway station yeah mm-hmm. oh okay yeah and then dances in the rain to that. <laughs> I like him. He was jamming out. I mean, I, I like the idea, right? I like the representation of Solomon, like, letting go. Um, but it really took it, it took me out of it. Like, the because I was like, the music is not accurate for the time. Like, I was like, this is, like, music that, like, from, like, 2007. Like, what? True. I was like, this, it really, it really took me out of it. I was like... I don't like. <laughs> I mean, sorry also, to like, everybody who worked on Pachinko who's a fan of the podcast. Character wise, I was kind of confused. Like, oh, all of a sudden Solomon has this change of heart at the 11th hour and 59th minute. I mean, I just didn't buy that moment mm. so much. Mm. It was hard for me to swallow, you know, that. Only when uh, Kumjab presents the question and frames it as, "What would you? What would your grandma say?" Then all of a sudden he's got a, He's like, "Oh, oh, let me snap too," and be like, "No, don't sign it." Right after all this work Damn. to get her into that conference room. Yeah, I do think it helps that Kumjab was like trying to connect like the house to her family and her past, and it feels like Solomon spent at least the first half of this show, like really trying to like prove to the company his worth and how dedicated he is to this company. And Naomi like shows him like how dedicated you have to be. And then Kumja's like, but what about you and your family? And what would you do for them? You know? Cause like, it's also this, there's like a lot of survival talk, like how to survive, you know, in this show. And I wonder if there's a connection there. I don't have a real point. Those are just you know, unconnected thoughts. <laughs> unconnected to that, I want to say that um, in the book, actually, there's there's a very, very different process and progression to how we get to the end of uh, Solomon's career at Shifley's. And it basically could be its own spin-off series, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that are missing. And so they kind of had to take a big leap, I guess, to kind of squeeze it into these ep- eight episodes and kind of really cut to the chase and, and end that arc of Solomon's storyline. But I thought it was like, it, it's, it's kind of unfortunate because it, it's, it, I feel like it plays out so well in the book, so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like there's a significant character missing too, actually, for that matter. Um, uh, in here, we see Solomon and Tom going back and forth, and a little bit of Naomi. But there's actually another very important character that I guess um, in the show they don't have time to to introduce. What is this? Who, Highly recommend. The who book. is this character? Um, the character is um, a Bob. Just kidding. Oh. I was like, I don't, I don't that, that can't be right. <laughs> no, but the character is like someone who's, um, I think, Japanese-American. 
And so he has something in common with Solomon in some sense, having, you know, lived in America as well. And so there's like this kind of like this camaraderie or like a older brother type of uh, relationship that happens that I guess we're just not going to see in the, 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 the TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what 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 happens like from here if seeing this Death Cab for Cutie cover band (laughs) in the subway really uh, is the like you know is 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 the release that he needs to um, to to quit his job though it doesn't seem like the job wanted him to be there you know. Um, they had some very rude things to say to him, but yeah, um, yeah, it I, that makes sense, Steve. That in the book, it's it's more drawn out because it is. It does like feel very sudden, um, and like we can put the pieces together, but it is like a little like, oh, it's oh, okay. He really just had the change of heart right there. Although I would mm-hmm. say the actress that plays Kumja extremely convincing. I love her. Her, mm-hmm. I'm her biggest fan. Yeah. You know what I would love? I would love a Squid Games. And sorry to keep bringing up Squid Games. I would love a Squid <laughs> Games uh, spinoff of her character. Yeah. Oh. They could do so much. Mm-hmm. There's so many like characters that are so memorable. And also like that would be like a fun. That would be a fun show is like, you know, this this how many raising chor, you know, a little boy. But she's a how many? And he's a little boy. Uh, the antics. What? Oh my god! Like how fun! Will they see eye to eye? You could be an animated in. show. These oh. are some free ideas, Netflix. <laughs> but actually, they're not free. You mm-hmm. should you should let us. Yeah, copyrighted right now. <clears throat> Co- it's copy- ours. Copyright. We copyright. It. <laughs> right now, uh, Kim, Steve, Kathy. Mm-hmm. We got. We claimed it. We claimed, claimed it. it. Um. Uh. Two things before uh, before we get too far away. Number one, I did think for a second that the singer was going to be Kumja, but then she killed herself. <laughs> oh. So I was like, okay, it's not her. Well, because she oh, was like, I thought you meant the singer of the pop punk band. <laughs> I was like, what? no. <laughs> <laughs> that I was like, I I really I wasn't I really truly wasn't into it. I was like, I, why is this like? I get I get the concept. I get the concept. I don't know why like that style of music was being used. And I like, truly, I almost like Googled like how long has Radiohead been popular? <laughs> because I was like, I was like this, like it just like, like I, it just really took me out of it. Anyway. Um, so that was the first thing was, was the singer, the homeowner. Um, and then the other thing was, I just wanted to rewind just a little bit because when, um, when Sinja is having her very tearful goodbye with her friends, before she goes to the train station, um, Boki gives her two wooden ducks. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are the two wooden ducks that we saw Solomon throw into the yes. trash. <gasps> yep. I, it must be. Actually, you know what? Never mind. Those wooden ducks are kind of a common thing. You could... They're everywhere. Wait, wait, twist, theory, <laughs> Damn it, twist, Steve. Theory, 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 theory. <laughs> yes, yes, but you're Kathy, right, go. Though, I think. What if, oh, wait, no, it's wrong. No, just say it okay. anyway. <laughs> what if Boki is, no, because they have different names. Never mind. 
I was gonna say, what if Boki was Kumja? But they're different names. They're not the same person. And also, yeah. she would have known Sunja. It's fine. We're just hell bent on finding out Kumja's past. What if the two ducks are here? What if the two ducks are Kumja? <laughs> <laughs> the two ducks are Kumja. Kumja had been cursed, and her body was put into the to the 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 wooden duck. And it wasn't until Solomon threw it into the trash that she was able to become a human. Uh, Singing in the subway. Netflix, are you guys writing this down? (laughs) Netflix, hello. (laughs) At Steve for these ideas. Spin off. At Steve. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. wait. (laughs) Let's share the wealth. Oh, man. I don't know why Solomon would still throw the ducks away because it seems that they don't belong to him. Um, It seems like they were one of the few possessions that his grandmother had when she had to leave Korea for her entire life and uh, set a new life for her family in Japan. Um, So seems extra bad that he would just unceremoniously toss them in the trash. But uh, that was my big seed. I wonder if Solomon was uh, secretly a cokehead. It's the 80s, and a lot of erratic behavior, I hear, happens mm. when you're doing that stuff. And so, like, his stuff, he just, you know, has an outburst, like, suddenly, like, doing his move, at, telling Grandma no at the conference room, running down the stairwell like a madman. He could have taken the elevator. Why do you have to take the stairs? And then, um, yeah, just wilding out in the rain, in front of the subway subway station entrance. That's classic cokehead behavior as far as I understand it. Interesting. I, I'm not well enough versed on the subject <laughs> to weigh in. I'm like TB, which I'm um, an uh, infectious disease <laughs> expert on. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, interesting, interesting turn of events. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I'll just say that the episode ends with Sunja arriving in Korea, and it's very emotional for her. Oh, you know oh, what? Oh, adult Sunja, yeah, yeah, yes. That's the link. Oops, duh, why didn't I think of that? Solomon being a descendant of Sunja, they're both going to be kind of crazy and do weird stuff in, like, the water. Mm. Sunja's kind of, like, having her moment in the beach, on the beach when it's pouring rain. You think it's cold, but... You know, and you know who Sanja's... else loves water? Ducks. And mm. you know who else is a duck? Is <laughs> yes. Because Kumja is a duck wow. in a trench coat. Kumja is, two, is just to. two wooden ducks in a trench coat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's been cursed. Oh, man. By a shaman. And it's about how do we lift this curse? I have to go back and watch the first episode because I don't know if I completely made that up. And I'm just like spreading lies about Chinko. <laughs> I remember Solomon comes in. He just took, he has just taken a shower. And for some reason, Japanese lady who's a friend of... Etsuko. She's uh, sitting there on his bed at times being very touchy. Right. <laughs> um, and then Solomon's in a mood. I forget why. He notices the ducks and then tosses them into... The trash can. Yeah, I meant about like how I was how, how I insisted that um, all of the women in Sanjo's family are cursed. But um, yes, also about uh, also about the ducks. Who knows? Who knows <laughs> okay, all well. the all the madness that I've I've <laughs> I've made up. There's, there's a lot of madness happening. That's for sure. I hope we find out next episode if Kumja are ducks. Anything's fair game at this point. Could be. And we didn't hear from Hana at all this episode. No. <gasps> no creepy phone call. But I, I did have the thought, 
if Solomon quits his job or leaves, like how will Hannah find him again? Oh, she better leave a voicemail. Mm-hmm. Make sure he gets it instead of just trying to ring him and catch him, hoping he's by Maybe the phone. Maybe send a quick page. Oh, I page. mean, what would we? Oh, wait. Yeah, 80s, late 80s, they have pagers. Yeah. Do they have pagers? Yeah, I think so. Either way, Hannah better get to the point about what she wants out of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Because time is ticking. We're already halfway through. Still haven't even seen her face. Nope. What if it turns out she's a duck? <gasps> so you're saying instead of Kumja being two ducks in a trench coat, Kumja's one duck in a trench coat and the other duck. And the other duck, yes. Is Hana. That's why Solomon tosses the ducks. Wow. It's, it reminds him of Hana. Because the ducks are cursed. I'm getting goosebumps. Wow, wow, wow. I oh mean, shut it down. Shut the whole thing down. We figured it shut out. Oh, I'm the done. The seeds have sprouted into ducks. Into ducks. Oh, my god! It's gosh. duck season, baby. Wow. I mean, I simply I, can't have anything else to say after that. I have nothing else to say uh, either. Kathy, ducks. quack, quack. Not you too, Steve. <gasps> Steve is quack. a duck. Okay, well, thank you everybody for tuning into this fabulous episode of the Korean Drama Podcast, where once again we ask ourselves Is our friend and co host Steve actually a duck? Tune in next week for the answer. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Korean Drama Podcast. Our producer is Marvin Yue, and our executive producers are Will Choi, Phil Yu, and Joanna Lee. Follow the Korean Drama Podcast on Twitter at Korean Drama Pod, and if you haven't, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. The Korean Drama Podcast is part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about Potluck and our fellow Potluck podcasts at podcastpotluck.com. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. <laughs>